The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. So for all the Kerry students, I hope your clapping was very loud. Eh? <laughs> Amen. God is good. Man, what a privilege it is to be here today. And I'm excited. And more than anything, I would just also welcome all our viewers via Facebook. Wherever you are in the world, I know you will be blessed that I'm here. And I'm accompanied by Uncle Abe. Uncle Abe is our marketing director at the ministry. Oh, there we go. Something's different. And then I have Sister Lungi. Our administrator at Carey's Bible College, Heidi Marie, she's in charge of our media, making sure the pictures, she makes sure that we look good. And then Pastor Janaid as well is with us, and then my lovely wife, Eneline. Yeah, she is such a blessing. Let me tell you this, when she's upset with me, she speaks Afrikaans. So if you hear her speak Afrikaans, you must know, except when she's relating with an Afrikaans-speaking person. Okay. But we're really excited to be here, Pastor Tafara. Thank you so, so much for such a privilege. Pastor Chipo, thank you so much. And to the leadership of the church, really thank you guys so much for honoring us and affording us this great opportunity to administer the injection of God's word this morning. Now, I often say that as a syringe is in the hand of a nurse, injecting you with medication bringing about a relief in your body. Medication brings relief in your body. The same is the preaching of God's word in the hand of God to administer healing in whatever area that might be a need in your life. And I really believe that this is one of those words personally that I know will be a great blessing to you. And I pray that your heart is open this morning to receiving from God's word. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 22, speaking of the word, it says, For they are life to those who find them, and they are health and medicine to their flesh. The word of God is life to those who find them, and they are also health or medicine to their flesh. In Luke chapter 5, verse 17, the scripture says, As Jesus was preaching, as Jesus was teaching, the power of the Lord was present to healing the sick. As he was teaching and preaching, the power of the Lord was present to healing the sick. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, chapter 1, verse 24, it says, Jesus is the power and the wisdom of God. As the word was being taught, the power of the Lord was present to healing all who were sick. I've never been one who has been very sick growing up, but most of my sickness was in my mind because I had a lot of addictions. And I've realized that the healing is really through the revelation that we receive from God's Word. You feeling well is simply the result of you having received a revelation in that area. 
you experiencing the healing in your body is simply the response or the result of the revelation of you knowing that God wants you well and that God has healed you. Making sense? So the healing is really the revelation of God's word that we receive. Man, I remember growing up, they called me Humpty Dumpty. I don't know why you are laughing. Because I've overcome those. They used to say, you are so black like charcoal. And then through the scriptures, I realized, man, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Revelation came. It changed my attitude. When they said you are as black as charcoal, I said the blacker the berry, the sweeter the juice. Revelation. Revelation. And so the revelation of God's word, I believe, is the bedrock upon which healing comes. Revelation. And so for those watching via Facebook, and for those, sorry, YouTube, I said Facebook, YouTube and Facebook and all the books. <laughs> Just this past Thursday in South Africa, we celebrated our Heritage Day. It was a public holiday. Some people took the Friday off and made it a long weekend. But let me say this, that for us as believers, well, let me say this. So Heritage Day is really a day when, you know, we call to remembrance where the nation has come from. Where the different tribes remember their roots, the victories they've had. For some families, where you've come from as a family, the victories God has brought you through, your roots, and how far you've come. But for us as believers, the truth is this, is that whilst we rejoice and whilst we celebrate our earthly heritage, you and I have a far greater heritage from above. And today I'll be speaking about exploring our heritage in Christ, but really focusing on making memories with God. Making memories with God and emphasizing on the depth of God's love and you and I finishing strong for the year in 2020. In James chapter 3, verse 13 to 17, James chapter 3, verse 13 to 17. I will read from the, from the screens here. He says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. Verse 14, But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your heart, do not boast and lie against the truth. Verse 15, And say, This wisdom does not descend from above. So self-seeking and bitterness is not something from above. So this is how you, you identify when someone is not walking in the wisdom of God. You know, they come in their suit and they sit in. And when you, when you judge and you realize that it's more self-seeking, you know that it's not from God. And then verse 16, no, sorry, verse 15 it says, this wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. So right there, the scripture is saying that there's wisdom that comes from above, and there's wisdom that is earthly, sensual, and demonic. Right? But the verses before is saying that when it's self-seeking, it's not from above. 
but it's earthly, sensual, and demonic. And then verse 16, it says, For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. And then verse 17 says, But the wisdom that is from above, the wisdom that is from above is first pure. So how do you know when someone is speaking or presenting wisdom that is from above? This is a criteria to be able to determine that. It says it's first pure. No hidden agendas. No hidden agendas. It's first pure, then peaceable. The heart is to bring peace or to find peace. Gentle. You don't need to shake and jump in. Very gentle. Very gentle. Willing to yield. So I'm presenting something to Pastor Tafara, but I'm willing that if whatever you have to present is more better than what I've presented, I'll be willing to yield to it. I'm not driving or forcing my own agenda. Willing to yield, full of mercy. Full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. I said our heritage in Christ is far above our heritage of this earth. And so right there we establish the wisdom of God. And then in John chapter 3 verse 31, it says, For he who comes from above, or whatsoever is from above, is above all. The way to stay up in life is to do what is from above. And so you and I stay above in life when we operate from above. And so I believe that we as believers, whilst we celebrate our earthly heritage, it is important that we are not limited, but much more that we recognize and celebrate the greater heritage we have in Christ Jesus. You know, growing up, we were always told that you know, God related to you based on how you behave. So if you behave good today, God was good to you. If you behave badly, God was bad to you. You guys are so serious. Like, you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but here's the thing. God is, will always be good to you on your worst days and on your best days. He's not a puppet that responds when you do bad. You know, he plagues you with disease and sickness. He's not. He will be good to you on your worst days and on your best days. So the question this morning is, what is in our heritage as believers in Christ Jesus? Among many... Is our heritage of God's love. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world. Please, if you can remove the, wo- the word world and put me. For God so loved me. For God so loved me that he gave his only begotten son. 
that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting, everlasting life. In Romans chapter 5, verse 5, the scripture says that this very same love that loved the whole world whilst we were so sinners now has been shared abroad in our hearts. I'm getting somewhere with this. It will make sense in a short while. But this very same love that loved the world whilst the world was still in sin has now been shared in our love, in our hearts. And I'm hoping this morning that God will help you gain greater understanding of his love because the truth is this. Those who understand how much God loves them will always outrun those who do, well, proclaim to love God. And so the love of God that has been shared abroad in our hearts is really for two reasons. Number one is for your experience, which is more on the internal. And number two, for your expression, which is on the external. You know, you can't exhale what you've never inhaled. And the problem is many Christians are trying to exhale what they've never inhaled. They're trying to give what they've not received. You're trying to love people, but you've never really experienced how much God loves you. And here's the deal. You can only love yourself, people, to the degree in which you've experienced God's love for you. Please, I said the healing is revelation. For a couple here today, the healing for your marriage is this. That you will not be focused in making withdrawals when you've not deposited anything. There was a revelation I got that saved my marriage. Not that my marriage was bad. It's always been good. It just gets better and better. We often try to want to withdraw when we've never deposited. There is no money that will come from your bank account when you've never deposited money in the account. Amen? Try it and then come and tell me next week. Open a bank account. Don't put money in. Go to the ATM excited with your, aid, your bank card and try and draw a thousand rand. You cannot make any withdrawal without first deposit. And I was making, trying to make withdrawals for my wife, getting things for my wife, trying to make my wife to do things for me or become something that I've never really first shown her. Man, it helped and saved my marriage. I realized that whenever, if you ask the students at the college, you know, we always help them in ministering from their heart. And I said to them, it's like, I mean, a worship leader, blessing cannot tell me to dance for the Lord if he's standing still. <laughs> Come, guys, let's dance. And he's standing still. No, I'm not going to do that. Right? I first want to see him dance, and then I dance. So as ministers, in order for us to reach people's heart, we need to be vulnerable and expose our hearts to them. I want to tell you that I had a pornography problem. You know what that does? It relieves you. It sets you free. I want to tell you that I was raped as a child. Right? It released you who was raped 
and have kept it for so long. To share your heart. You can never make a withdrawal if you've never made a deposit. And so the love of God is first for our experience. And when we experience it, then we can express it. There can never be expression without experience. Never. And so the love of God shared abroad in our hearts, it's really for the simple two reasons. Now someone might be asking, what has love got to do with this? In us celebrating our heritage in Christ Jesus. The love of God is what builds you to last in life. The love of God is what builds you to last. To last, L-A-S-T. To go longer. To run further. To complete your assignment. You only last in life to the degree in which you are built, rooted, and grounded in the love of God. And so in me celebrating my heritage in Christ, I celebrated the fact that, Lord, you love me. It is the greatest heritage you have with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the scripture says the law came through Moses, and he says grace and truth, grace which we are so excited in preaching came through Jesus. But Jesus came because of the love of God. Grace and truth came through Jesus, right? Okay, Uncle Abe, can I borrow you for a moment, please? So let's assume I'm God, <laughs> right? And Uncle Abe is Jesus. Say amen. 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 amen God. Yeah, Uncle Abe. <laughs> right? So here's the deal. Pastor Janet, please come up. Heidi, please come up. So let's assume Heidi is grace, Pastor Janet is truth. The scripture says grace and truth came through, right? So grace and truth is the fruit of Jesus. It's the result of Jesus coming. But here's the deal. Jesus came because of the Father's love. And please hear this. The church has moved in different, please you may be seated, in different dispensations. There was a time where it was the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. Everything was about the Holy Spirit. And then finance, and then confession, and then faith. Now we are in the dispensation of the grace of God. Right? But I want to announce to you that there's a season coming where we are moving into the love of God. Where men and women will be walking on earth like God Almighty himself. Okay? Hear this. Why? Because they understand how much God loves them. And they are radiating and oozing the love of God. It's already happening. It's not people that will jump up and down. Powerful people, but yet simple. To be able to sit with the prostitutes, the murderers, the sinners. Who are not afraid of the messes. You know, we are blessed with Bible school because people come from all different walks of life. Some are corrupted, some are, I mean, you know. But the love of God infused in you, man, goes beyond any sin, any challenge anybody has. It's not the sin. 
Sin is not an issue with God. Sin is not an issue with God. It's an issue for you and me, but not with God. Right? So in the old covenant, sin was what stood in the way for men to have relationship with God. Now, sin is not what is standing in the way. The one standing in the way is Jesus. Sin is not what stands in the way from people not having a relationship with God because Jesus has dealt with it. Now, it is Jesus who stands in the way from people having a relationship with God. Because you can't go to the Father except through him. That's why you must believe in Jesus. Sin is not the problem. Jesus is the deal. As I love this church because this church is all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And so in us celebrating our heritage in Christ, the number one thing I want to remind us is that you and I have a love greater than this life. And the love of God, man, it is awesome. In John chapter 20, verse 1 and 4, And when you understand the, the, the gospel, you realize that it's really not what you and I, you know, the gospel was never what man can do for God. And so the ministry of Jesus was really about what God has done for man. And so Jesus came to make the heart of the Father known so that you and I can see what God has done for us. And as we believe, like Pastor Tafara said, it's been provided by grace. All that we say is, Amen, I receive. You know, someone said, hey, when you like freebies, I said, of course. Yes. <laughs> the greatest, the greatest, the greatest gift I got from God was free, man. Oh, I enjoy freebies. Oh, I enjoy freebies. Oh, I enjoy freebies. I enjoy saying yes, thank you. The most powerful words you can say is please and thank you. Right? So now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter, the one who professed to love Jesus, and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and said to them, So she's now before two disciples, the one who said, I love you, Jesus, and the one whom Jesus loved. Okay? They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Verse 3. Peter therefore went out, and the other disciples, sorry, Peter therefore went out, and the other disciple, and were going to the tomb. So now they are racing to the tomb. Verse 4. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. The other disciple then knew how much God loved him, outran the one who proclaimed to love God. <laughs> Folks, it's never how much you love God. But the heart of the Father is that you and I will discover and come to a place of realization in knowing how much he loves you. And so what has love got to do with this? The love of God is what gives value to anything you do. 
The love of God. The love of God is what gives value to anything that you do. Let me humble you this morning. If whatever you are doing is not motivated by the love of God, it's valueless. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 to 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 to 4. That though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not loved. You know, you get a lot of powerful Christians. When they pray in tongues, hey. The thunders come down and the roof shakes in. Which there's nothing wrong with it. He said, I have become... I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, oh, they love to prophesy. And it's good to prophesy. And understand all mysteries. They want to tell you everything about your life. And though I have faith so that I could remove mountains but have not loved, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but if not love, it profits me nothing. There's no value in your faith. There's no value in your giving. Your value has no giving. Giving your body to be burnt up has no value if the motivation is not the love of God. Folks, it is not what you do, but the motivation in which you do what you do in. You know, you, they, they come from Hollywood and they adopt kids. In the name of doing good. If the motivation is not the love of God, in the eyes of men, it's very pleasing. It's very pleasing. But if it's not motivated by the love of God, it's a problem. And so in us celebrating Heritage Day, that you and I will celebrate our heritage in Christ Jesus. Let me share this testimony with us. Before I got married to Eneline, man, I was at Rhema for three years. I said, Lord, for the next three years, I don't want to see any woman. No, no, no. They must be far. When the sisters came, I walked the other way. I'm telling you my story. I believe you've got your own. Amen? But here's the deal. The marriages I had as examples in my life were not desirable. I never heard my father tell my mother, I love you. I never saw my dad holding my mother's hand. For where? For who? I never did. Never, never did. My uncles were divorced. But I wanted to get married. It's the hardest thing, guys, when you want something, but everything around you doesn't look like it. Because for me, and the thing is, think about it. These are pictures that are being painted on our hearts. The fact that I never saw my dad telling my mom I love you, I could never tell my wife I love you. Not that I didn't love her. I just, I've just never known how to. So these are pictures. For some of you, you saw your fathers hitting your mothers at home. And that was the picture you got. 
And so these are pictures that are being painted on your heart. But man, God comes in and he, he raised those pictures so that he can redefine certain things in our hearts. So in my journey of wanting to get married, I said, Lord, but in the beginning it wasn't so. I went on a journey. And I realized, man, a doctor studies for seven years to become a medical doctor. Some actually gone for more. And at Carrie's Bible School, there's a, there's a module we do where they say God is first. Your spouse, your kids, your ministry, your business, and then the in-laws. <laughs> and then brothers and sisters are there, you know. So in-laws, you are here. Number five. Amen? But think about it. It's amazing how doctors study for seven years for their career. But they've never read a single book on marriage, which is supposed to be number two. So you've got educated people who are publicly succeeding, but privately they are failing. So I thought, Lord, no. But, and I studied. Well, I tried studying. It didn't work out. <laughs> Why are you guys laughing at me this morning? But here's the thing. But I knew I needed to give myself if I wanted to see a difference. So the Lord took me through a journey. I read books, so many books. And through the scriptures, Hosea was the book God used to minister to me. And I want to show you some things, and I'm hoping that this will be a great blessing to you to really... Please hear this. The healing is not necessarily what we experience, the freedom or the relief we experience in our body. But the healing is the revelation that we receive from God's word that moves us from where we are to where we are supposed to be. Revelation. And this was one of those revelations that I had. So the story of um, Hosea, the book of Hosea, this was a prophet God was wanting to, God used to really show his heart. As to how much he loves, you know, his children. Right? And it's amazing how God takes the most difficult situation to bring out a point. You know, having been involved in a church, it's always easy for a woman or a wife to forgive the husband when the husband cheats on the woman. It hurts. But for some reason, women just end up forgiving. And I've witnessed it many times. As a pastor, you see stuff, man. Yeah, people are looking serious now. Don't be serious. Right? Don't be serious. But here's the deal. But now this time God takes a situation where the wife cheats on the man. <laughs> right? Now men, for men, it's not easy when the wife cheats on them. So God is trying to get our attention here with, with what I'm trying to bring through. Hear this. So the wife goes out and cheats on the husband. And she comes back with a child. For a man to forgive the wife the first time, hey, it would take some prayers. Eh? <laughs> it would take fasting and, I mean, so many. But anyway, the prophet goes and buys their wife back. After all that, the labola that was paid, you know? But finally, he buys the wife back. And here's the thing. And then it happened the second time. Now, some men will forgive the first time. Baba, you are laughing, Baba. <laughs> but the second time, 
the man is fed up by the seven. It happened the second time. And so God tells him to go and buy the woman back. She came back with another child. Ah. And then it happened the third time. Hosea chapter 3 verse 1. But God is bringing men to the end of themselves. And then in chapter 3 verse 1, God makes the most powerful statement I've ever seen in the Bible. He said, Then the Lord said to me, the prophet, Go again, love a woman who is loved by the lover and is committing adultery. Eh? And is, is present tense and is committing. Not committed. And is committing adultery. But hear this. He said, just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel. Something went off in me. I realized I wasn't ready for marriage. Because what God said to me is this. If I am still not able to love my wife when she's committed adultery, then I haven't arrived in the realm where he was wanting to take me. These were things I had to settle in my heart before I got married. You know, the scripture says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor. He said, he who finds a wife. Sisters, please hear this. He says, he who finds a wife. You're not a wife when you get married. You are a wife to be found. There's a problem with our sisters. They are waiting to get married. They are waiting to become a wife. Say, he who finds a wife. You are a wife to be found. So whilst I'm waiting to be found, these were things I had to get my heart right with. But I realized that it's not about what the wife was doing. It was God bringing, wanting to bring us to a higher level, into a different realm of his love. Love that goes beyond the senses. Love that is so powerful that even if your wife cheats on you three times, it's a small thing. I want you to see how much he loves you. I want you to see how much he loves you. But not only does he love you, he's calling you and I to that realm, to that place. And he's trying to expose the greatness of what is in you. Folks, it's never what people are doing to you, but rather what is going through you by the reason of the greatness of the greater one in you. Think of a home where this is the order of love that is in operation. Think of friendship, where this is the order of love that is in operation, where it's not based on what you do or what you don't do. I love you, and that's it. Oh. Let me say this. The ministry of Jesus, Jesus never told us to love God. Jesus never told us to love God. He was being tested when they asked him, what is the greatest commandment? He was being tested. For you to be tested, it means there was something for you to know to be tested on. Right? And then he said, the first is love the Lord thy God with all your heart, 
it was an old covenant thing. The guys could not love God with all their strength and all their heart. The law was not. It was God just wanting to show them the greatness of his love that men cannot fulfill on their own. And the second is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Jesus never told you to love your neighbor as you love yourself. He never told you to love God. He never told you to love your neighbor as yourself. I love it when the room is silenced. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Matthew chapter 22, verse 34, as we round up. Matthew chapter 22, verse 34. So Jesus is being tested. He said, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Verse 35. Then one of them, a lawyer, and it's always the lawyers. One of them, a lawyer, asked him. Sorry if there's any lawyer here. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. He asked a question, testing. I can't test him for something that he's not there that he's supposed to know. You write a test because the school has given you stuff to learn, so you're writing a test for them to judge if you know or you don't know. So they are testing him. Why? Because it was in the old covenant. He's supposed to know it. They are testing him and saying, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? In the, in the law. In the law. Okay. And then he goes on and he goes on. He said, Jesus said to them, you shall love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And then 38, this is the first and the greatest commandment. And then verse 39, and the second is like, the, it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Right? Okay. Now let's go to let's go to John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. John 13, 34 and 35. John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. So Jesus says, but now a new commandment I give to you. For him to say a new commandment, it means there was an old. We've just read the old. But now he's saying, now I'm giving you a new commandment. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that now, now the new commandment is that you love one another. You love one another, not love God. Because in this is love, not that you love God, but that he loves you. Okay? A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. So the issue is not even you loving one another. The heart is you knowing how much he has loved you. Because it is from that place is when you can love your neighbor. Jesus never told us to love God. The ministry of Jesus was not for us to love God. The ministry of Jesus for you to know how much God has loved you. Because when I know how much God loves me, you don't need to motivate me to come to church. I will run, I'll be the first one here. If I know how much God loves me, you don't need to pump me up. It flows. That which I've received is what I give. And I want to encourage you folks that you would dig, you would dig in the depths of the Father's love. His love is so great. His love is so great. 
And so the issue is not more how much we love him, but I'm here to tell you that you are loved by God. You are loved by God. And when you embrace that love of the Father, it changes everything. It changes everything. And I know there are some of you here that, please let me say this, you've been serving God, you've been serving God, and the more you've served Him, the harder things have been. The worse it's got. You see, Jesus came and He said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but I came to serve. The Son of Man did not come to be served. So let me say this, Pastor Janae, Jesus is saying to you, that I, Jesus, have not come for you to serve me. But I, Jesus, have come so that I can serve you. My question is, why are you serving God? Because he never told you to serve him. His heart was that you, that he will serve you. You see, the wisdom of God is this, that when you understand him and when you experience him, when you experience him serving you, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, He's comforting you. He's counseling you. He's leading you. He's guiding you. He's embracing you. When you experience Him serving you, you want to serve Him. Wife, please hear this. No wife will run out of the house when they know how much their husband loves them. So my husband, Jesus, and Clay puts it nicely, Every husband is first a wife before you're a husband. I'm first a bride to Jesus. And when I experience my, my, my groom serving me as a husband, I'm able to serve my wife. And I want to encourage you. I don't know where you at. I don't know what's going on. I don't know where you find yourself. Allow Jesus to love you. Allow him to rewrite the pictures of your heart. Allow him to give you a new experience. Because it is from that place that we get to serve him. You see, he never told us to love God. The new commandment was not for us to love God. The new commandment was that we will love our neighbors even as he has loved us. The new commandment was in about him loving us. And when I receive him loving me, I get to love my brothers and sisters. And so the depth in which you go in the Father's love is the height in which you are able to live life on. Folks, we love you. We appreciate you. I'm going to quit now because of time. I'll pick up again in the second service. But I want to encourage you. Embrace the Father's love. Embrace the Father's love. So when I celebrate Heritage Day, Lord, thank you for loving me. I felt like sitting in Hawaii. Lord, thank you for your love. You know when people are full, there's a friend of mine, you know, whenever he's full from Bri, he says like he stands like this. And then he's got a toothpick. And when you experience God's love, it makes you stand like this. When they are all jumping up and down, you are relaxed. You are rested in the Father's love. Your kids don't have to ask you to buy them food. You know you have to buy them food. 
They can't wait till they are hungry so they can eat what daddy has bought. You know, Jesus said, it is the Father's man when he answers our prayers. In John chapter 14. Let's maybe go there finally quickly. John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse 13. Verse 12, he says, greater works, the works I do will you do and greater works will you do. And he said, and whatever you ask in my name that I will do, that I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And he said, if you didn't hear this, he said, verse 14, whatever you ask in my name, I will do. But he says this, whatever, sorry, verse 13, he says, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do that the Father may be glorified. And so he's excited in answering your prayers because he knows it's to the glory of the Father. The Lord said to me, not only does Jesus want to answer your prayers so the Father is glorified, but when we ask for big things, it glorifies the Father. God loves you, folks. God loves you. We appreciate you. We love you. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today. Wait.